got to tell you, I cannot believe what I just saw, Owen. Please tell me why. Why this despicable act? Why I don't, what? Why what? I don't understand. You want to know why? Red Hart, you're nothing but a selfish person. I went in there in a tag team match for the biggest match of my life. It was a dream come true. I thought I had the best partner in the world, my own brother. But you're too selfish, like I've said all along. Your ego is too big. You only worry about yourself, Red. Rowan, you don't Owen, care about me. Unbelievable in front of your entire family. I don't family care about me. anybody. I was concerned about myself and my whole family. The biggest opportunity in my life. I had a chance, Brett, and you stripped it away from me. You took it away from me, Brett, because you're too selfish. All you had to do was just tag me. My hand was there. Just tag me. I knew your leg was bad. I was aware of that. Just tag me. But you're too selfish. You just want to put your sharpshooter on. I could have won the match. I don't need you with a bad leg doing it, Brett. You're too damn selfish, and that's why you're sitting there with a bad leg. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name's Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Lots of wrestling over the, uh, over the weekend. A lot to catch up on that I haven't managed to... Uh, to delve into yeah i've watched bits and bobs uh okay. over the weekend but as we were saying in some text messages earlier this week it's um i think the first time a wwe event has outperformed an nxt takeover yeah it was kind of surreal and i watched both the wwe shows this week uh live and i watched AEW in between them so I, I watched nxt live it's kind of my job now so you know <laughs> that's what i did uh and i remember i was I remember watching it and going, uh, this is really cool. It's Tim Thatcher and Finn Balor having a cool submission-y type grappling match. And just thinking, you know what? I really miss big colours, shitty crowds, <laughs> shitty venues, <laughs> terrible gimmicks, you know? Like, silly punch pro wrestling stories and stuff. And we got plenty of that on our show this week. Uh, and and no mention of Chris Benoit watching, no members of the KKK in the Thunderdome, no mm. one getting beheaded in the Thunderdome. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Like, I remember coming out of NXT, we'll quickly go over it, uh, coming out of the NXT show going, the Pat McAfee-Adam Cole matches are a lot of fun. I won't spoil stuff for you. Um, but going, it just felt like, you know, they did NXT wrestling. People do lots of moves, they kick out lots of stuff. Someone brings in a weapon, there's some, some some bullshit here and there, and then they do a finish, you know? it's Every single match is the same format. I then looked at what AEW were doing as the, the spoilers started rolling in on social media and going, damn it, should have watched the AEW show. Because lots of fun stuff happened on that. Ended up watching that, uh, going, yeah, yeah, the main event was fun, but the rest of it, I'm like, I could take or leave, I don't really give a shit. There's some good story development there. I do but... love it when Brody commits murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great booking really really clever booking like the cell at the end as well like for fucking hell like that that finishing shot of uh cody and brandy laying on the floor with their hands and just reaching out for each other like oh that was good uh, but, the rest, done. but like you know the it was a nice solid hour let's put it that way but the, there was about 40 minutes i probably could have cut from it to be totally fair um maybe i just don't like wrestling what can i say <laughs> 
It's a problem when it becomes a job, isn't it? You start going, oh, I don't enjoy this anymore. <laughs> but I but, certainly uh, enjoyed what we are covering today. Hold on, hold on. The, uh, the, the big WWE show, which one was it? I can't remember. The Summer, Summer Slam. Slam. Summer was, Fest. Was the best WWE pay-per-view I've seen in, let's say, five years. Easy. It was so much fun. WrestleMania, I think it was 32, was really good as well, right? Is that the good one? Yeah, and the Rumble this year was fun. Yeah. The, but that, not that, as that a complete good. pay-per-view with payoffs and build-ups and everything else and like solid story and finishes like i've missed this so much in pro wrestling but even that shows this summer slam this week was nothing compared to what we're doing this week as for the podcast exactly we are doing the third and final part of our brett owen trilogy wwf survivor series 1994 uh let's go through the details it was so much fun what a treat <laughs> What an absolute treat. I've been very much down on professional wrestling in the COVID era, as we'll call it. No fans, as you said, no fans ruin things. Shitty booking ruins things. Lack of cheesy gimmicks ruins things. Again, we were talking about this before we started recording. Mid-90s to late-90s WWF, I think, was the best. Simply the best. And this time period... The more we delve back and look at the Attitude Era, we realize maybe it's nostalgia and the fuzzy feeling that we thought was good. This, mm. 1994, for the two shows we've covered prior to this, and this one, absolute gold. Yeah, I've got to say, man, like this doesn't have the matches that the last two shows had. Like the caliber of like that ladder match, that Brett Owen, Owen and Brett match, you know. But what it does have is great fun silly narratives stupid hilarious gimmicks and just constant storytelling uh, no matter how minor it is on the show it has some sort of narrative like it's survivor series you're going to see loads of survivor series matches it's 1994 for god's sake but it's it's just enjoyable <laughs> something about these i did i mess you during the week going i think this might be my favorite time period ever in pro wrestling yeah, and as you were saying about the stories, the fact that the payoff in this main event, the story started in December of 1993. We're now on the 23rd of November in 1994 at the Freeman yeah. Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas. We've had pretty much a 12-month build with storytelling, everyone overlapping, everything meaning something. As we've seen through this trilogy, and we touched on we covered SummerSlam 94, a lot of these stories started at the Rumble and they're progressing through. I know yeah. the sort of, essentially, if you're looking at from a football season standpoint, like the FA Cup finals, WrestleMania, it's the end of the season. Who and won then, the FA Cup final tax this year? Who won the FA Cup? I've got fo Football doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea signed Ben Chilwell today. I saw that. And, uh, and Messi, Messi being like, I'm, I'm off. <laughs> Do you not know how a calendar works, Messi? You could have left it before the 10th of June. Yeah, but I was busy with COVID. No, <laughs> that's what the date says in the contract. Can you imagine oh. if Messi ends up in the Premier League? He's going to break his ankles in the first few seconds. People are going to be like, nope, not you. <laughs> Definitely not. The worst thing about Messi going in the Premier League, the travesty will be that we're probably going to have an entire season with no fans. And then yeah, Messi maybe. won't be seen by a live audience. And then it'll just yeah. go back to Newell's. Yeah, maybe. 
Anyway, <laughs> let's football talk. <laughs> so we're live on pay-per-view. I obviously watched on the network. Assuming you did as well. But I, uh, this is again another one from back in the day when I was nine years old. And nice. sorry, no, I would that's that's sorry. I tell a lie. I would have been eleven years old at this stage. I'm dating myself a bit, but I remember watching this on video. Um, and the next couple of days later, again, I think it was again a Sky Movies jobby that you could record the uh, the stuff on Sky Movies. And just Chuck Norris's involvement, which we'll get to, I have <laughs> never forgotten Chuck Norris's involvement in professional wrestling. Oh, awesome. Well, he has quite a moment, Tax. So <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> We're the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas, home of the Heartbreak Kid. Uh, the capacity is 10,000, but there's quite a few empty seats, at least to start with. Never, never really big sellouts in these uh, in this era because this is just mm. when we're about to hit the downward period in WWE. Yeah, it's a shame because this is probably one of the products that is very best. To be totally fair, I think so. I think from a fan perspective and an enjoyment perspective, it's at its best in '93, '94, going into '95. But they were lost. This was the transitional period where. They'd still been quite kid-friendly up until this stage. And the kids had got older and grown out of the product and they hadn't managed to bring in that new audience. So, yeah. Do you think this... it's um, to do with having a star at the top? I don't, I don't think so. I think at this time, so the WWE was really, really popular in sort of the early 90s well sort of the late 80s going into the early 90s and i always see it as things like um my brother who works in the toy industry and it's like everything goes on a 10-year cycle mm. and i think at this stage it was coming to the end of its 10-year cycle before it had its sort of rebrand rebirth into the attitude era like the new gen was exciting but I think just people were growing tired of the product. They hadn't evolved and grown up with its audience. That's what I think WWE is doing now a little bit. We've had years of the reality era, whatever it was, where it's been a little bit family orientated. And as best they can with like removal of eyeballs, they're trying to get a little bit edgier. Smackdown being TV 14 um, on Fox a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it was TV 14 this week. But I wonder if it's a case that they're going to slightly try and just grow up a little bit with their audience to try and keep them and take them through the next few years. But I don't know. Yeah, I've got to say, I think that's a sensible decision. You know, if the kids aren't coming along, they're not watching. You've got to put your focus where your audience is. So uh, I think the move to TV 14 is good. I think it's good for production. And honestly, I think more kids are going to watch if it's a bit risque, you know what I mean? I think being TV 14 is a good thing. Uh, I don't want to see eyeballs being torn out, you know, people being chucked off buildings or whatever. But again, it's it's fiction. It's a movie, you know what I mean? Like, I'm okay with a lot of the drama side of it. But, like, I think they need to find their place in the world again, almost. Yeah, they. The, what I looked at for the SummerSlam card, which we just had... Um, not 94, the one we just had in real yeah, time. Yeah. You looked at the main event and there was no one on that card who a mainstream person who was flicking through the channel would go, oh, there's blank. Mm -hmm. They don't have any name. Maybe Randy Orton through what he did in 12 rounds. <laughs> but there, <laughs> sure. there's no mainstream star. 
I mean, Roman still isn't a mainstream star. I know he does a lot of the TV shows, the Days After Mania, does a lot of the media tours. But because they haven't built any new stars, there's no marquee name. Everyone's cookie cutter. Everyone trains in NXT to be the same wrestler. And when you call up to the main roster, you just put in a skirt. Mm. Hi, Keith Lee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Anyway, so back to 1994. Our commentary team for this evening are Vincent Kennedy, a man, yay. And he is accompanied tonight, not by Jerry Lawler, because Lawler's going to be wrestling. Not by Bobby Heenan, because he's fucked off to WCW, as far as I remember. Is that right? That's correct, yep. Vincent Mann is joined this evening by Gorilla Monsoon, yes. making his return. These two are fucking great together. <laughs> I don't recall a time where I've been able to sit through a pay-per-view with Monsoon and McMahon on commentary. I know that it must have yeah. happened before, but I, I've, never, I, it's, I've never clocked it. So this was an absolute treat with Vince doing play-by-play and Gorilla doing colour. It's great. What the, the the combination of cliches that come out of these two at the same time is so much fun. I enjoyed in the first Survivor Series match where you had the bad guys against the Teamsters, where basically they had an unbelievable off. <laughs> where Gorilla would be like, unbelievable. And McMahon would go, unbelievable. <laughs> so the show starts with an earlier today package. HBK gives his team a motivational talk. Razor's team want to be musketeers, or one, one for all, all that sort of bullshit. Luger is also here, giving his, his team a chat. Ted DiBiase loves the money, and he's got a team as well. Doink has three mini dinks, and the king has three midget kings. Oh, it's this show. <laughs> I, I think we should be, do these people... You know, the correct credit and, you know, as part of the royal family, we had Queasy, Sleazy and Cheesy. And yeah. where you mentioned the three dinks, it was actually Dink, Wink and, uh, and Pink. <laughs> you know, the singer. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> so, Texas intro, everything's a cowboy, everyone's a cowboy. Uh, even got this epic cowboy music going on. It's it cut into this venue and my instant reaction was... Oh, now that is one of those NWA, WCW venues that they show in those documentaries and go, yeah, we were in these terrible, smoky saloon-type buildings. <laughs> I mean, it's it's literally a smoke-filled, maroon-coloured rodeo venue. I, to, put, to set the scene, essentially, this wouldn't look out of place if someone was just sat there playing a piano and someone from a different <laughs> territory walked in. They just stopped playing the piano and turned around and glare. <laughs> there's a there's a really fun cowboy. Oh, fuck game off, called... Sting! What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> there's a really fun cowboy game called Red Dead Redemption, where you just run around as a cowboy doing cowboy shit, basically. And yeah, it's, doing it's... cowboy shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's it's really it's surprisingly good. It's really cinematic and stuff. Uh, it's, I don't really like cinematic games. I like you know gaming games, but this is the one that I've actually played through like most of it. And uh, yeah, this venue would fit right into that. Uh, we've still got a slidey door on the entranceway, though. Yay, Vince will be very happy. <laughs> uh, Vince and Gorilla welcome us to the show in cowboy hats. <laughs> of course, of course. Sadly, no Macho Man doing stuff, because again, I think no. he's WCW now. I believe so. And also, sadly, we missed the dark match on this show, which was Bob Holly. Eh, 
versus say it I refuse to acknowledge it <laughs> it's Quang the most camp of wrestlers uh, with Harvey Whippleman of course with Harvey Whippleman because clearly sure. Quang has won the managerial services of Harvey Whippleman because Adam Bomb gets to wrestle on the main card <laughs> So our first match of this evening, we're straight into it, is a Survivor Series elimination 10-man tag team match of the bad guys, man, of Razor Ramon, Fatu, and Sione of the Head Shrinkers. We'll get to that in a second. The Barbarian! (laughs) Wait, is it? It's the Barbarian, yes. That is Sione. No way. That is the Barbarian. Doesn't even look like him. So... Here's the part which I did my research for, which I enjoyed the most to show how oh, very on, racist... Let me, let, oh, let me announce well, the teams okay. first. We'll just, just keep the listeners. Well. So Razor Ramon, Fatu, and Sione, the, the head drinkers. The one, two, three kid, and the British Bulldog, because he's bizarre, with Afa and Captain Lou Albano, not Louis Albano anymore. Interesting how quickly that changed. Versus the Teamsters of Diesel, Jeff Jarrett, G- oh, sorry, J double F J double I E double T double S double J, Jim Neidhart, Owen Neidhart, and Sean Michaels. Owen Neidhart, yes. Oh, Jesus, sorry. <laughs> Owen Hart. Well, he may as well be a Neidhart with the current storylines, but Owen Hart and Sean Michaels. So, yeah, go on. What are you going to say? Something about so, races. the head shrinkers would normally be, as we said at SummerSlam 94, was uh, Samu and Fatu. Yep. But Samu had left WWE at this stage. And he'd been replaced by Sione, or the Barbarian. Do you know the storyline reasons they gave for Samu leaving? Oh, did someone throw an ice cream at him and he got the stick stuck in his mouth or something like that? Nope. The reason given for Samu's departure was that he ate some bad fish and got a disease. Hey, I got pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) And also, he was not coping well with Lou Albano's attempt to civilise the head shrinkers by making them wear boots. Have you noticed that both the head shrinkers were wearing boots? So, did I notice? It's like the main story of the fucking match. (laughs) (laughs) But also, it's the first time that uh, one half of the team of the head shrinkers was neither from the uh, Noi family or Samoan, as uh, the barbarian was originally from Tonga. So, wait, is Keish not part of the family? Both members being of. Oh, sorry. That was me not explaining, but because I was too busy eating some bad fish and getting a disease. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so Vince makes a point of mentioning Sean uh, stepping in front of Diesel on their way to the ring. This is very much a continuation of the storyline from SummerSlam. Um, and that goes for nearly everything on tonight's card. The continuation from what we covered last week into this week, it's, it's very, very impressive sensible foreshadowing as well there's you know planting of the seed of the diesel yeah, face sure. turn super spooty pyro from the ring post for big daddy diesel's usual pyro no. stuff but no. there is some uh, yeah that fucking horn jesus christ at least there's the noise of a truck now <laughs> i didn't notice that before so that's something that's but the upgrade you... that's the face turn to the entrance music <laughs> i'll give him a truck now did you notice the extra pyro that was part of this? So oh, Sh- Sean is doing his pose in front of Diesel and two bits of pyro literally kind of go off of his back to go boom. <laughs> I swear they were attached to Sean's back. 
wouldn't put it past him. I think maybe they did. It's it's hard to say because the camera cuts away quickly. So it's not like you see like them taking the pirate off Sean's back. Whatever. It could have just been very well positioned by behind the ring ropes or something. But like it, I thought like he'd set on fire or something to start with. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Good visual. Huge pop for Razor. He is super over as this uh, intercontinental champion face. I've got to say, he looks a million bucks as well. He looks so good. Superstar. Yeah, especially at this time. But <laughs> on the other end of that spectrum, the absolute state of the British Bulldog. Jesus Christ. Nice shorts. <laughs> what the fuck is he wearing? Speaking of which, the absolute state of Double J. What the fuck is he wearing? He's gone from sublime to just like sparkly, oh God, tasseled weirdness with his fucking choker. What would you call it? It's so hard to describe his outfit. China's ring gear. <laughs> Pretty close, but China's was respectable compared to this. Yeah, at least China covered her nipples. <laughs> Double J yeah. did not. So Razor gets the spooty pyro treatment as well in the ring. But you notice Davy Boy just stepped right in front of him as, as the camera closed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Davy Boy. I, I miss you dramatically. Oh, sorry, miss you desperately, but fucking hell. In 94, he was not all there, man. It's not been not been great. But so I like we were saying as well that a lot of these matches had build up to it. So we've obviously had Razor and Sean feuding since September 93 with the ladder match, the IC title match, which we covered at WrestleMania mm-hmm. 10. Um, obviously, Marcus has been stripped by... We've, all, we've been through all this, uh, you know, debacle over the last few um, few episodes. But we've also then got one two three kid joining razor as he's going as they go against hbk and diesel who are the current tag team champions and um the head shrinkers are there they certainly are so this gimmick of trying to civilize the head shrinkers <laughs> is, is interesting so the match is about i say interesting in the most critical of manners <laughs> the match is about to start and Keish is laying on his back on the outside with his boots in the air, kind of trying to do them up, but like just making a point that he doesn't like them. It's um, it's a bit fucking racist, really, isn't it? Me, head shrinker. Me, no like boot. <laughs> Captain Lou, no, you must wear boots. We are civilized. Watch out for that bad fish. Jesus Christ. So the match starts with... Two lovely botches. <laughs> <laughs> Kid and Anvil just kind of run into each other and then Kid sells and nothing as Anvil laughs. It's like, oops. <laughs> that so was definitely, funny. that just screamed of a rib. That Anvil yeah. just wasn't going to move or play ball. I, I mm-hmm. guarantee that at the start, Walkman was like, let's do this bit. And Nido was like, yeah, all right, Kid. <laughs> <laughs> then another lovely botch when Sioni, Sioni, what's his name? Sioni. Uh, doesn't block a double J punch, but Jeff sells it like he did block it and has to kind of just stand there going, um, <laughs> they just carry on. And you're like, oh, this was not a good start. But uh, Owen tags in. Huge heat for the lad. And leads to Bulldog tagging in against him. Davy, Davy, boy of the jungle, tassels on his booties. <laughs> <laughs> I think considering what he was wearing at SummerSlam 94 to this, his dress sense has got worse. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not great. But but these two, Owen and Bulldog in the ring together, it's just really enjoyable. 
lovely to see having Owen go, Owen again replicate Brett and just carry Bulldog through a great match. How great could Bulldog have been if he wasn't completely fucked up on drugs all the time? I think Bulldog would have always been limited to what he could do as a as a powerhouse wrestler. His mm. timing was very good, but I think from a technical standpoint, I think the more I watch it, the more you s- obviously the time we were watching him in WWF was uh, difficult times for Bulldog. I think yeah. uh, my favorite Bulldog was when he came back in like the late nineties and entered himself into the WWF title pitch when he just wore jeans. <laughs> was in that yeah, big I, Armageddon, I, that six man hell in a cell. Can't say that's my favorite Bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. So the click members work the click members. The hearts wrestle the hearts. The head shrinkers and double J are also here. It, it's very surreal. It's, you know, Razor tags in, so does Diesel. Owen tags in, so does, so does Bulldog, you know. They're just refusing to work with each other at this point. And it's 1994. We've still got like two, three years before Brett and Sean really have their heat. It's it's so awkward having this kind of division in the roster. I'd like to give it the benefit of the doubt they were just tagging with who they were feuding with. But sure, I think it was obviously just convenient that they weren't feuding with each other at this stage. Yeah, makes sense. But you can see friends wanting to work with friends quite a lot on this show. I refuse just to work match. with anyone I don't like these days. <laughs> just you, Matt and Will. Fuck just... you, Matt Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I work with, Mr. I'll work with Mr. Wick and I'll work with Louie. I work yeah. with Meathead. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so um, Jarrett is just fucking hilarious here. He does an arm drag to Razor and celebrates like he's Ric Flair. <laughs> it's so great. Rikishi does some great dancing and thrusting was also another highlight for me. In those boots, though, how did he do it? How did he yeah. learn? How did he learn so quickly? Uh, let's quickly go through the eliminations. So one punch, one jackknife, Diesel eliminates Quiche. Jackknife, Diesel eliminates Kid. Jackknife, well, just about. Diesel eliminates, not Rikishi, whoever that other guy was. Diesel dropped the barbarian on his head, getting yeah. three inches off the ground. He was so close to murdering him. So close. If he'd have dropped him a second earlier, he would have fallen right on his fucking neck. That's why you need a murder clown to bump on. Absolutely, everyone does. Um, Gorilla and Vince are exchanging catchphrases the whole way through <laughs> this match. It's like, right at the kisser, unbelievable. Right at the kisser, unbelievable. <laughs> in the bread basket, unbelievable. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, bunch of bullshit on the outside. Vince tells, tells, tells us Bulldog got counted out. Can you do that, Joey? Uh, we're all, we're all alive. So they're basically re- protecting the Bulldog here, which you're like, okay, fair enough. Let's just move on. So it comes down to Razor versus all the heels. Uh, Sean still hasn't tagged in, even though this match has gone a good 10, 15 minutes. It's just shouting instructions to Diesel the whole way through the match. And Diesel is obeying like a good boy until a certain point where he starts to get frustrated. So Jackknife lands on Razor and Sean finally wants to tag in. Great storytelling here. Even with Sean now in, Sean insists that Diesel picks up Razor for him. Razor falls to the ground as Sean goes for the super kick. Diesel, uh, sorry, Sean connects with Diesel again. Repeat the spot from um, the last two shows, last show. Yep. Anyway. Last show, yep. Diesel pissed at Sean now. Diesel now going through his own team to get to Sean. <laughs> really great stuff here. And then it's kind of all spoiled by the ref counting out all of the heels at the same time. 
can he fucking do that, Joey? Outrageous behavior. Pretty sure that's not how the rules of wrestling go. <laughs> Unless it was the what? 40 count. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, just not great. Um, what the fuck is this finish? The winner is Razor Ramon. Protect the bad guy. Protect the click. Mm. Protect Jarrett. It's great story. Fun opener. Love the Razor, Sean Diesel stuff. And Diesel finally turning on Sean. Like, this is that that moment where it happens. And you know what's coming, and especially with the later storylines and everything. But the finish reeks of, we've got some hills we need to protect. Like, why put them in this match then? Because everyone else is already on the card. They need heels. That's yeah. the problem. When you look at the... Now we do... We look at what was a traditional Survivor Series card. And I know, granted, one of them's a throwaway of Lawler and Doink with their various tag team partners. But you've got... Throwaway? It's <laughs> the highlight of the night. What are you talking about? You've got basically 20 stars already. You've got 20 of your roster. And that's just two matches. Yeah, yeah. You, you, weird, you've got it? to have them. You've got to have bodies on on the card because we're not going to book the fucking hearts to come out again. Bruce Hart would be chomping at the bit. <laughs> There's still quite a lot of them in the audience today, but not as many as the last few shows. It's one um, of them was in the King's Court. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least they're doing Survivor Series matches at a Survivor Series pay per view. This was actually the last Survivor Series that was done on Thanksgiving Eve. It, right, since okay. this date, it was then moved always to a Sunday. So this is always the tradition pre-Thanksgiving show, which why I think buy rates for it were a lot better originally because it's, you know, the families together to watch the wrestling. Yeah. This is a 0.9 this show. Do you remember what Mania was? Oh, I can't remember, I'm afraid. It was a one point something I seem to remember. I don't think it was much bigger than this, but it was bigger. Yeah. So, hmm. Anyway, Todd Pettengill, yay, in a cowboy, cowboy hat. hat. <laughs> <laughs> Even more yay. Yeah. Uh, Sean running away to his car. Todd's chasing after him, asking him questions. Uh, Sean starts cutting a promo on Diesel here, just really emphasizing the point. Um, what do you think? Progressed the storyline really well. Uh, obviously, having Todd Pettengill in, involved is always good fun. Watching his sort of goofiness chase HBK. HBK putting his arm around him saying, come with me, come with me. And then HBK struggling to open the door of his car. <laughs> yeah, I thought they weren't going to do it for a second. He was just going to stand next to the car and finish cutting the promo. But he does manage to get it open eventually. All, all, every time I see a car spot, in WWE, other than Austin getting run over, all I think of it's a time where Goldberg's car flooded and didn't start, and he ran after the Rock who'd driven away, and then ran, oh, and yeah. Goldberg ran the wrong way. <laughs> good times. So we're back ringside with Vince and Gorilla. They've got a cuddly toy. Hooray! <laughs> you oh, see, we, on... should, we should have mentioned, sorry, of the HBK situation. He threw his tag strap on the ground before driving away. I didn't see that. Did yeah, he? He, that's he threw good. the strap okay. on the ground. I would like them to emphasize that more because I completely missed that. But oh well. Uh, Lawler's music interrupts Vince and Gorilla at ringside. Their discussion about being kicked right in the kisser. <laughs> he says that literally every other sentence. It's pretty great. Um, I mean, what more is there to say? Three minutes in clown masks make their entrances. <laughs> yeah, the NXT roster was there pre-NXT. <laughs> so it's... 
wrestler and three small people on both sides. So do you want to describe them? Probably better you do it than I do it at this point. <laughs> yeah, because you can't get fired. <laughs> Whereas I could just not get booked. Mm. <laughs> um, so basically, um, we are met with the royal family versus Clowns Are Us. And as you'd expect in these matches where WWE believes in equality, uh, Lawler and Doink are allowed <laughs> to wrestle each other. <laughs> Best joke you've ever told. <laughs> and um, and Queasy, Sleazy and Cheesy, all people dressed replicating uh, like Comic-Con, uh, WrestleFest, whatever you want to do, cosplay Jerry Lawler's. Uh, and you've then got Dink, Wink, and Pink, who are all Doink the Clown cosplayers. Um, and they look like the shit. <laughs> you know what I realised as you were saying it? So, Jerry Lawler's three guys that are with him. Uh, cheesy, his wrestling career. Queasy, how I feel whenever I see his wrestling career. <laughs> and Sleazy, his non-wrestling career, right? Oh, brilliant. It's pretty um, good. <laughs> it's almost like they played it out. Oh, crikey. This um, this match, mm, this um, attraction, no, this 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 was, um, minutes, lads. 20 fucking minutes this took. And all the reviews of this show, because I thought, I wonder if anyone, if I can find a positive review of this match anywhere, to see if anybody saw some really good points for this. And the fact that everyone kept on referring to these bits as lots of comedy spots, I must have fallen asleep, because this was shit. Yeah, I didn't find much comedy in here, in terms of the spots. I wrote it's 1994. <laughs> lit, lit, little people jumping on little people and missing little people and biting bottoms and running around. Ha ha ha. But not even like the last few we've covered that have had these um, mini matches or whatever that had funny, clever spots in them. Like, do you remember the, what was it, Taurus versus the other Lucha guy? Yeah. And it that was, match was awesome. Amazing. This was shit. <laughs> it's we almost all... like. I was going to say, sorry, it's almost like the, when they had the minis who could work, a lot of the boys at the back were like, fuck that. I don't want to compete again. I don't want to go after the minis. Let's get some actual shit people to come and be <laughs> wrestlers. Sure. So uh, Gorilla tells us the rules. It's meant to be big people versus big people, small people <laughs> versus small people. And I'm instantly like, boo. <laughs> I want to see a midget get squashed. <laughs> and also, how's this fair? Because if, if Luna could beat up Dink, why can't Lawler beat up Dink. God, Sexism in WWE. Beg- I was begging for that spot to happen here, you know, where they, they just still I'm just picturing it now. Luna jumping and the, the guy rolling underneath her accidentally as <laughs> she falls. Still makes me laugh. Spilat. Oh god. Okay, so um the clowns do some jigging about and waving. The king lads <laughs> do some scowling and chatting about how to punch. This is wrestling. Clap, 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 clap. Um, so um, this is progress. <laughs> <laughs> All the circus spots. Uh, Lola All selling the circus spots. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's just circus shit, you know. It's not really wrestling stuff. It's 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 silly, you know. It's not funny, but they've definitely worked on a lot of spots. Twenty minutes worth of spots. It, well, spots is very. Very kind. This was 
I think possibly one of the worst matches we've covered on this podcast. Mm, might be right up there. So there's uh, a couple of moments of uh, to mention. Lawless selling the Burger King crown, looking up at it, was quite funny. Uh, yep. <laughs> Dink jumps on Doink's shoulders, and they do the whole chicken fight thing. But Lawler thinks about doing the same, but instead wants to do the opposite. Lawler mounts a person half his size. Not the first time, eh, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> I had to squeeze in a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so did Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> Small guys running around the ring apron. As Doink, Doink and Lawler are running the ropes, I am at this point begging one of the big lads to bump a midget off the ring apron, but it doesn't happen. Boo. Lawler eliminates Doink. Oh shit, this is an elimination match. <laughs> How long's this going to go? Fuck. As soon as Lawler eliminates Doink, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> They're going to have to eliminate all the small guys one by one as well. It's like this 15 stage, minutes in. <laughs> I'd given up at this stage. And this match, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Now Doink's out of the equation. What have I got to look forward to? We've left Jerry Lawler in the ring with six people that are like knee high. Like... <laughs> Do you want to make your own jokes here? Am I just going like, to leave that there? I think it's probably good. Yeah. Tweet us your joke at World of Rest Pod. <laughs> the, I tell you what, the, the, winner, the winner of the best Jerry Lawler being surrounded by six little people will win a wonderful shout out and maybe a little gift. So tweet us with your best Jerry Lawler joke at World of Rest Pod on Twitter. We get uh, free shit from sponsors now, so I'll send them some of that that we don't want. <laughs> <It'll be fine. laughs> we'll send you some blue chew. <laughs> we don't have blue chew. We have everything else under the sun, like fucking Raid Shadow Legends and all this bullshit. I mean, I mean, these yet. lovely sponsors that give us money that I love Raid Shadow Legends. Go buy it and use code WrestleTalk. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> have you got Manscaped yet? Have you got Manscaped on board? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we've got Manscaped. With the Lawnmower 3.0. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. They just ran out of the uh, the nose trimmer one that I wanted. So I was a bit like, oh, fuck. But um, oh, mate, we're, I literally, my beard trimmer died the other day, right? Ollie jumps on the call is like, oh, yeah, uh, Manscaped just sent us a new trimmer. Does anyone want it? And literally, a second before I had the chance to say anything, Pete's like, oh, yeah, I could use a new one. I'm like, hang on. <laughs> I make the adverts. <laughs> Where's my fucking beard trimmer? Anyway. What, what promo code can you use to get money off that? Is it Wrestle uh, Talk? It is Wrestle Talk. I think it's Wrestle Talk or WTTV. It's one of those. Just try them both and get some money off. It's it's quite a lot of money. You get a bunch of free shit as well. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah, you get like a a, ca- a carry bag as well, don't you? And a few extra bits and ball deodorant. <laughs> Why are we selling this? It's not even on our podcast. It's sponsored by. <laughs> Let's pretend it is because it makes us sound better. Product placement. Ah, as oh, I drink this lovely sake. can of Pepsi. <laughs> If we were sponsored by Pepsi, I would not be here doing this podcast right now. <laughs> we'd have to because we'd have sponsors to oh, these yeah. anyway. That carry didn't make on sense, with did it. Sorry. It's, our faux sponsorship's better than this fucking shit. <laughs> I tell you who could have used a lawnmower 3.0. Queasy. Sure. 
The clown lads, sorry, the clown lads steadily get eliminated and head under the ring, hiding from Lawler undoubtedly. Uh, Dink does the deal and hits a falcon arrow. Lawler interferes. <laughs> the, the final pinfall is reversed for the one, two, three, and the winners of the royal family. Prince Andrew Lawler joke. There's got to be one there somewhere, isn't there? He was unaware of anything. <laughs> just hanging out at the TGI Fridays, you know? <laughs> Nothing to see here, just having the ribs. <laughs> Fuck, you know. So um, the king hogs the spotlight from the short lads. All six short lads go after Lawler. Lawler legs it. Doink pies Lawler because there wasn't enough fucking shit in this match. <laughs> Lawler's reaction is priceless. It's really, really funny. Um, the The small lads can work, but this went so long like so three quarters of the amount of time long. if this match had been six minutes it might have been palatable yeah but it wasn't vince goes oh no pie and your kisser <laughs> make your own jokes <laughs> let's move on todd pettengill makes a just desserts joke about lawler of course he does but he wants to tell us about some women's wrestling Alondra Blaze and Bull Nakano were in the fucking Tokyo Dome last week. Bull won the Women's Championship from Blaze, who I thought was the eternal WF champion at this point. I'm like, what is this? Bull actually won the belt. I guess she can't lose in Japan. So. No, this this was part of the talent exchange that we spoke about on a previous yeah. episode of the pod, where shortly after this, it all fell to pieces because Alondra Blaze Medusa was on her way out. Yeah. Hmm. Oh no, no, sorry. I, I, th- but I think, in all honesty, I think Bull just never defended the belt after this. I'm not overly sure what happened uh, with good old Bull Nakano after this. But her with the belt and the the interview was was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You should be a bit, so you should be a bit she... more excited. You've just won the title. <laughs> <laughs> she talks in Japanese to Todd, who's very confused. But let's face it, Todd does such a great job with these segments. These three shows we've covered, every time, he's engaging, he makes the shittiest, silliest stuff work. He's really impressive, man. And you could tell he was making Bull Nakano smirk. Because he's supposed to be like a stern face. You could tell like the corner of her lips like turning up of this guy's a flipping clown. Much more of a clown than the other four we've just seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I would have liked to have seen another match between these two women. It's a shame we don't get it here. I would have liked to see the match in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, sure. Maybe we could find that card somewhere and cover it for a show. Yeah, was it a New Japan show that had the women on it? Or something about Egg or Easter or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I I, I, could, I can't remember which one it mm. was, but let, let's find it. Because I think that would be a fun show to cover. Because, you know, Medusa coming out on a motorbike with the American flag in the Tokyo Dome. Jeez. Yeah, interesting. She votes Trump. <laughs> Someone might anyway. So anyway, so um, uh, postal voters the... won't apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just not going to that. So cut back to ringside, and there's a projection of the winged eagle strap in the middle of the ring. Nice touch. It's nice Think... that they went back to that uh, like a future WrestleMania when they had all the maggots for Bray Wyatt, and they said, like, "Remember that effect <laughs> we used in 1994." Yeah, that might be one of the biggest mistakes they've made with Bray. I remember watching it and laughing at how embarrassed and cringy it was. Uh, House of Horrors match? Yeah. (laughs) Swamp match? 
Swamp One, at least it felt like a bit of a brawl, you know what I mean? It felt almost like it could be a fight, even though it wasn't good. Like after the fucking genius that was that um Firefly Funhouse match. It feels like Bray went, I've got this idea, and Vince went, Yeah, let me do that. <laughs> like, no, Vince. Take a step back and go away and let Bray produce himself. We know he can produce awesome segments. What I really like, Bray, is when you wear that red jumper. <laughs> wear that more often. I love those two different characters he plays right now. Like He can do so much with it, and I feel like he's completely just cut off at the knees constantly. If he loses the belt like soon, like spoilers, sorry. Um, if he does lose the belt soon, I'm gonna be so fucking pissed off. Like I've just seen the match they booked him in for the next show. Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's the triple threat, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm like, please don't. I know what you're thinking, Vince. Like, just don't do it. Leave the belt on him for like a year, please. What I really want is a contract signing. They'll have like the feed can't, the fiend can't read, and then they have Bray Wyatt oh. actually there coaching him in his ear. So if somehow they can get just the two of them together in the <laughs> ring and he'd be like coaching the fiend in his ear saying, he's telling you that he wants to take the belt. Roman's back. The big dog's back. And just have it. I just think not, I, again, you know, it's ripping off three faces of Foley, but just having evil Bray Wyatt in his jumper and the fiend there, if they can do something clever with cameras and stuff, but may not be possible in the Thunderdome now. If only there was someone that looked just like Bray Wyatt. You know, perhaps a brother. <laughs> also, what the hell were they doing not having Alexa Bliss involved at SummerSlam? <laughs> Let's I build feel it like up with Alexa Bliss. I feel like they've given up on that already, and that was the most intriguing part about the story. Yeah, the Alexa Bliss sandwich where yeah. the, the Strowman and the Fiend go, uh-huh. Like, Alexa Bliss slapping Braun Strowman like that in the middle of the ring where she's just like, fucking pancaking him with both the left and the right i think it's one of the most compelling bits of storytelling they've done in generations almost best use of alexa bliss in years as well yeah she's killing it she's so good like she plays the innocent character well she's plays an absolute bitch really well like, i think they need to push her and i know vince is like you know she's injury prone because she got taken out a while back and they didn't seem to do much with her i think because of maybe a concussion or something a lot of concussions for her unfortunately it's hard to say whether that's real or not because i've heard her say differently but who really knows man uh anyway let's move on so think on the announcements tonight fucking a accompanied to the ring by owen hart to absolute silence here comes bob backland i don't mean that the crowd don't care he just doesn't have entrance music no bob backland started this little beef with brett back on a, an episode of superstars in july where he claimed to have won the wf championship where he thought brett hart had tapped out which he hadn't and then brett just pinned him when uh, Brett tried to shake Backlund's hand, that's when Backlund snapped for the first time and started bringing in the chicken wing crossface. Got to be careful using that move, because if you do use that move, 99% of the time you turn out to be a fucking nonce. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, yeah, Backlund is an interesting one. Wasn't featured on the last two shows. It's been away for 10 years. Let's put him in main event scene. Well, I say the main event scene. The World Heavyweight Championship scene, at least, with Bret Hart. And you know this is so they can transition onto Diesel. But why Backland? 
Well, I, I think it's a blast from the past. They gave Backlund a chance. They wanted to give him a contract. And it's someone different. And I also wonder if it's someone that Brett said, I'd really like to work with Bob Backlund. Why Let's not see if we Owen? can bring him back to relevance. Why not Owen? Because I think the plan, you know, they've they've already had their two matches and they want to come back to it later because this is the time where WWE actually plans stories. The plan mm. would be to have Brett and Owen go against each other later in the year, but also Brett planning on taking time off for the rest of the year at this stage. It's like, why are you going to have a final blow-off match if Owen beats him? When Brett comes back, then it would be match number four. If they have Owen Hart in some way getting involved in this match and then he can continue feuding with Bulldog and people like that. And, okay. and again, I, maybe, maybe I, not I, Owen, but like anyone else. I just think Backland here is just dead in the water straight from the beginning. It's just someone, I, I still think it's someone Brett wanted to work with. They, they'd right. re-signed Backland. They wanted to give him a push uh, to see if he could still do anything. Because again, this is a time where they didn't have any real, other than Brett and Owen, I suppose HBK had time, but he was obviously off his face. They didn't really have people of that level of that caliber of wrestler, and and again, it was something different. I think I mean, they would, th- dude, they they've got Razor Ramon sitting there, just like <laughs> you push him into the main event scene, you know. But Easy. as a face, but as a face, yeah, you could turn him, you know, if you had to. That would be a terrible decision. I know, I know, you can immediately say, it. but um. You know, there's, there's. I'm just saying, there's options out there. I just don't know why it was Backlund, and I guess it's because he's a submission guy, and they've got this idea in mind for this match, which yeah, is a submission match, by the way, between Brett and Bad Boy Backlund. And they and they wanted to go back to this towel throwing in thing. So again, I I don't think it was overly, yeah, it wasn't clearly explained. But back in 1983, when Bob Backlund lost the WWE Championship, so the WWF Championship, his manager threw in the towel, which allowed the Iron Sheik to win yeah. the belt. So, And Backlund's still claiming that he never truly lost because he wasn't giving up. And then his manager, which was it, um, was it um, Arnold Scarland? Scar- it was. Scarland? Yep, Scarland, yeah. Um, th- throwing the towel in for him. So, you, you again, you've got an actual bit of unfinished business from... 11 years ago so if they wanted to have this throw in the towel match which they'd not done since then what makes better sense than getting the guy back in who's done one before and then can have a bit of history going into it trying to clutch at straws as you said there were better choices but there's no surprise that our big belt isn't in the main event when you've got bob backland yeah and again it's it's vince just will not put bret hart as the main event you know, like he he kind of did it for WrestleMania, but not really. It's such a short match, such a bullshit finish. Yoko was in the main event. Yoko was the yeah. main event, not Brett. Yeah, it's a real shame. So the match is a WWF World Heavyweight Championship match, a submission match with Bret Hart with the British Bulldog. Blah, Bret Hart with the British Bulldog, Bret's current champion, versus Bob Backlund, accompanied by Owen Hart. So. Stu and Helen are also here again in the crowd. Uh, Vince gets over that the match can only end when someone throws in the towel. He later backtracks on this statement, but let's just move on for now. <laughs> um, Backland with Lex levels of silly selling right at the beginning. He's doing this whole like, whoa, 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 as he rolls around the ring. It's 
it didn't convince me straight away. I'm going to be honest. What did you think about Backlund's early performance in this match? I quite like the Mr. Backlund character. Okay. Uh, again, I think it's just more fuzzy nostalgia pop of the finish of this match and and having Bob Backlund back in WWE. I remember being excited in the only sticker book I've ever collected. One of the last few stickers I needed was a Bob Backlund sticker to complete like a two two sticker picture of Bob Backlund and it, one was his shiny. So I'll always like Bob Backlund. He was the reason I finished the sticker book. Uh, I think he's a very talented wrestler, a very talented submission artist. I don't think at this point in his career, because what, he's 45 here? Yes. I don't think he's um, slick enough to be in the ring with a guy like Brett. You know, like he seems to sell at the wrong time, seems to oversell, he seems to hot dog the camera a bit too much to take away from the kind of serious nature of this submission match, you know? I'm talking about just the first like ten minutes. When, it, when yeah, we get I into the I match, th- he's he sits into it and he's great. But to start with, it felt a bit hokey and like I think the crowd found this as well because they're they're practically silent at times. I think a lot has to be said. Like like you said, it's got to be his first pay per view in absolute well decades for WWE. He's sure. been on Superstar, so there's been the ability to have tapings, retapes, pre-tapes, etc. Everything you'd expect for the joys of post-production. I, I wonder if the nerves got the better of him because, you know, I don't know what he was doing for the 10 years, but he probably hasn't performed in front of a crowd of 10,000 people. Sure. I wonder if he was over-egging it to start with and then part of the way through if Brett said, come on, Bob, just chill out a bit. We've got this. Let's just relax a bit and do what we plan to do. Let's just have a wrestle. And then, as you said, as the match went on, Backlund really sat into it. So Brett misses an elbow drop from his rope, which cues Backlund to go after Brett's arm. Talk to me about Brett's selling, because I think it might be genius. Just the little things that he does, like the little movements, even if he's rolling on the mat, he's pushing to get up. If he's selling his arm, he struggles to get up. Every just minuscule detail every movement every facial expression just wince of pain it's absolute genius he's unbelievably good here brett goes for and finally locks in a figure four this is the first time they really start playing off the will owen through the towel in for backland but owen absolutely refuses seemingly not because he wants backland to win but much more that he's like, Brett is not winning, <laughs> you know? I think they play will, off really fun at this point in the match. Yeah, I will I will have the person I'm managing die before I throw the towel yeah, in. Exactly. That's exactly what Owen's coming from in this match at this point. Brett, Brett, Brett and blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Brett and what's his name? Shit, I forgot his name. <laughs> Backlund. <laughs> Sorry. Brett and Bob both hit very nasty looking pile drivers as the match goes on. I'm quite happy people don't do them like this anymore, where they they sit flat into it. It's kind of scary. Yeah. It's not good. <sighs> Brett does a bulldog, a Russian leg sweep. Vince goes, neckbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> Backbreaker, Brett's rope elbow drop. God, this sequence is so much fun every time I see it. You know it's coming. Bloody three moves of doom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every exactly. time with Brett Hart. <laughs> Brett first tease of the sharpshooter. 
Owen gets chased around the ring by Bulldog until the ref stops Bulldog, which leaves Owen to give Brett a Bulldog, breaking up the sharpshooter. Davey lunges for Owen, misses, smashes his head into the ring steps, sells it like he's literally knocked out. He now sits there for what, 10 minutes? Just motionless on the floor selling this shot. You say you say motionless though. Sometimes there are clips of him just sort of just looking up and looking around <laughs> and then playing dead again. It's like a really bad like teenage school actor's case of I might be able to just look up that person's skirt if I just move this <laughs> round as I'm dead. We've all been there. So uh, uh That's how Dave- I got my eleven and theatre studies. <laughs> I thought Davey towards the end of this was just having a nap on the outside. Cause when we get into the whole like, you know, the end sequence bulldogs just laying there like and people are just stepping over him <laughs> to their spots <laughs> too many somas it's so funny so let's get into the finish brett swears at owen it's bleeped on the network back then locks in the chicken wing owen starts to look concerned for his brother and for davy on the outside Brett trying every reversal he can do to get out of this chicken wing but nothing will break backland's grip Owen in a pure state of shock at this point, apologising to his brother. Five or so minutes have passed by this point and Brett is still in the chicken wing and Davy is still out cold on the floor, apparently just having a nap with no medical aid whatsoever. They they stick this kind of split screen thing on the, on the broadcast, which I think was a really clever idea. I'm not usually a fan of split screen because it's kind of like cheating, you know. But they're showing, you know, Brett, having his shoulder torn out by Backlund on one screen, then either Owen or Stu and Helen selling on the other screen, it really adds to this level of drama. I think it's very clever. Good production for for getting the story over for the people watching on pay-per-view. And Stu and Helen, despite being terrible actors, doing their best to put over their legitimate concern that Bret Hart's going to die in the crossface chicken wing. Absolutely. It's very much Brett and Owen leading the storytelling here and the other hearts are just, just there for effect almost. Yeah, Bruce Banter from Ringside because he yeah, would have jumped, the, jumped the rail. <laughs> Doesn't believe in kayfabe. Brett does a great job of holding his breath here and turning himself purple. He looks horrible in this chicken wing. Uh, it's been locked in for what feels like a lifetime now. Like This segment goes on and on and on with Brett in this chicken wing. Like Legitimately, it must be 10 minutes. Longest submission hold with no one tapping out in outside of a really shit opening bout in the UFC. Sure. Owen now crying to his parents. I didn't mean for it to be like that. Owen now pleading for Helen to throw in the towel for Brett. Vince changes the rules on commentary by going, all Brett has to do is say I quit. And they're like, hang on, <laughs> that's not the rules. Can he do that, Jerry? I just had a quick uh, quick scan through how long he was actually in the crossface for. Nine and a half minutes. Fucking hell. Like, and it's not like there's 10 run-ins happening during this. It's just Owen pleading with Stu and Helen, then walking back around the ringside, watching Brett, selling a bit, watching back to Stu and Helen. Blah, blah, blah. Repeat the spot. Repeat the spot. Checking and Davies asleep. <laughs> That's the thing. They never check on him. <laughs> He's just left to sleep. Owen makes a gap in the guardrail in front of Stu and Helen. Stu and Helen step over Davy boy, who's still falling asleep on the outside. Owen Looks can- up Helen's skirt. <laughs> 
<coughs> God. Uh, um, yeah. Owen continues to plead with Stu and Helen to throw in the towel. Helen grabs the towel off Stu eventually and lobs it in the ring and Stu's like, no, 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 <laughs> tries to stop her. Oh, no. Brett just lost the strap like this. Boom. Like, I know the story. I've seen the match before. I knew it was coming. I forgot it was 10 fucking minutes of Backlund holding Brett. Brilliant. I loved it. Absolutely loved this. Come on. Don't say that. It was brilliant for the time. If it was like three minutes, it would be fucking amazing. But it's 10 minutes. It goes on and on to the point where I'm just like, skip to the end. Come on. Just get to the point. No, it's the perfect execution of a cross-faced chicken wing showing how to make sure no one can get out of it. The first perfect few execution. minutes... Like, Not, he hasn't even got his hands locked, Stu. <laughs> That's because he's holding him for nine and a half minutes. It's fucking hard work when there's a wriggling Canadian trying to get out. Stu Hart's sitting on the outside going, he hasn't even got it locked in. Don't you dare throw that towel yet. He must do it properly. <laughs> Let me go in and so show him how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and new WWF World Heavyweight Champion. 45-year-old, hasn't been here for the past 10 years with fuck all storyline, Bob Backlund. Damn. I know you kind of like it, but what a weird, slow, drawn-out, pop piece of shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not that bad. It, it, I'm joking. Um, I must say, the way that Owen sells it as soon as Brett's lost... Just running in the ring. He's like, yes, <laughs> I've won. It's like he'd won the strap. He's a brilliant dick. Like he was so funny, man. Ah, oh, it's just the best. Owen immediately raises the towel that his mum just threw in and runs off to it like a victory, you know, like a like an award he's won at school or something. Oh, it's so funny. And uh Backlund, to be fair to him, has a shitload of heat from the crowd as soon as he's awarded the belt. And they've created a heel, a top-level heel overnight, which they chose not to run with three days later. Yeah, it's odd. Should we move on? Well, uh, you because know, obviously, I mean, do you, want, do you want to do Owen and Brett bits now, or do you want to save it for the end of the pod? Yeah, do it now, go on. Well, so this is, this essentially is at the end of our, our trilogy of the Brett and Owen involvement. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. I forgot. There is an Owen promo here as well that we should probably talk yes. about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go for that. So Todd's backstage with Owen, who is smiling ear to ear. He's beaming, <laughs> happy. Need to- uh, Owen goes, a setup. You got it damn right. It was a setup. That was the greatest Thanksgiving of my life. Owen finish w- finishes this promo with, I'm the best there is the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And don't you forget it, brother. It's great. And what's a real shame is that is actually the end of the feud. Yeah. that That's the end of the feud. We don't get Owen as a champion. I mean, the payoff is that the younger brother has screwed Brett out of a belt. Brett, Brett came back at Rumble 95 to challenge Diesel for the belt, but Backlund interfered, which led to Backlund versus Brett at WrestleMania 11. And then Owen went on to tag with Yoko from WrestleMania 11, and his feud was completely dropped. It wasn't until 1997 that Brett and Owen reunited as the Hart Foundation 
and then they, we did Team Canada versus Team USA. It's a yeah. real shame they had something so hot that could have carried on. And, I mean, I know they had two absolute barnstorm matches. And I know I said last week about the cage match, not enjoying it. But just the storytelling between the two of them, the fact that they had him cost Brett the belt and Brett never sought retribution just seemed like a, a plot hole that wasn't to be filled. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're, they. I think these two gave us some amazing moments. The, even the towel throwing in moment is something that gets talked about a lot. Um, that WrestleMania interestingly, match is incredible. I, I was going to say, well. interestingly, so to show how much influence that we've got over the wrestling world, we started doing our trilogy, and then last week WWE released a timeline show with Owen versus Brett. <laughs> oh, nice. Cool. It's like fucking copycats. Trying to steal us under the bastards. <laughs> they don't have a lawnmower 3.0. <laughs> they just got cricket point. wireless. <laughs> so, uh, cut back to Vince and Gorilla. Vince goes, I actually feel betrayed. And Gorilla goes, how could you do that? He's a worse individual than I thought he was. And it's like, it's like they're setting up for something down the line. And yeah. They just never do. It just never really gets paid off, does it? And that that's the the biggest shame of this this trilogy. We've had some great matches, but can you imagine if Brett had come back at the Rumble, attacked Owen, and then they could have had the title match? Had Owen taken the belt, and then it could have been Brett versus Owen, and Brett gets retribution at WrestleMania 11 in the main event, rather than Bam Bam and LC. Yeah. To me, it just makes so much sense. I know I keep going back to it. At this show, Owen beats Brett, injures his knee, his arm, whatever. Brett takes the time off. Brett makes the triumphant comeback against Owen. You know what I mean? Owen could even drop the belt to Sean or Razor or whoever. You know, literally next week. Like, Owen doesn't need to hold the belt to be good. He doesn't need the belt by any means. But as a guy to make Brett your super face top guy... And to establish like another solid face, like you're gonna turn Diesel face, have him squash Owen at fucking WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Why is it have to be Backlund? I just I never really understood it. I also wonder if they never picked it back up because we were starting to get into the Attitude Era, where it's all about promos. And as we've we've said before, Owen being involved in the nation and doing all the good fun stuff that he was doing there. I wonder how going that direction. It sort of tarnished Owen a little bit. I think Vince would have never seen him as a main event guy. Then we had all the, you know, and and then, yeah, I think it was just downhill from there. His tag with Yoko was great because the two of them working together was was good fun watching them together. But I, I feel that this was money left on the table. Yeah, that, that was going to be my thing. Owen. That was going to be the one thing I said about Yoko and Owen. That it is great and. We're marks, like we enjoy it, you know, but it's it's not a money maker, it's not something someone on the outside is gonna tune in for. If you make Owen a superstar, you suddenly have such an easy rivalry to tell and collection of rivalries to tell, you know. And I, I leads to the bigger question, which you've touched on already in this pod and other ones. What was it that Vince had against Bret Hart to never I, make him that top guy? Because I think had this been a member of the clique and th- let's say this was Sean and Diesel doing this storyline, they would have got a payoff. Yeah. 100%. Or something like that. It mm-hmm. would... Brett is the champion and he's not main eventing the major pay-per-views. 
he's been mid-card for SummerSlam and mid-card here in, in shape of to let The Undertaker main event these shows for nothing. Yeah. He wrestled chains from the DOA and as we'll get to shortly, he wrestled Yoko. So The Undertaker is a bigger draw than Bret Hart in his mind, but he's not going to let a main event star come out of Bret. And for someone who claimed to have such a good relationship with Bret and all these bits, it just seems that I don't understand why they never did it. I know the promo we mentioned last week wasn't ideal, but I think Bret, when he's given his opportunity to be Bret Hart, the promos were very, very good. And outside of America, he was a huge superstar. I just don't understand why he didn't connect. I, 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 I've thought maybe it's due to, and as stupid as this sounds, it might be a case of this is an American product. We don't want a Canadian at the top of our product because WWE Mm. sometimes is stupid. But I just wonder if they thought the fans will never buy into this Canadian being our top star when we're always looking like the American hero of Hogan and Luca. Mate, we've done shows with Brett in New York, in Boston, in Texas, in wherever. He's always over. He always gets a huge pop. And the gimmick's over, the music's over, his moveset's over, his finishes over, his storylines are over. He's the man. What Vince Bret Hart had a just slightly less than a hometown hero pop in some, at SummerSlam 92 for 90,000 people at Wembley yeah. erupting for him against the hometown hero. You know, yeah. he's over. And, and uh, selling tickets. Look at those yeah. shows that he's the big star on, you know? He's the draw he was the draw in Europe and I think I always go back to WrestleMania 9 when Hogan didn't put him over and it made Brett tell Hogan to go and get the belt off Yoko. That was it. Brett yeah. could have been the star. Brett could have defeated the evil foreigner per the storyline and been the hero. Or they could have had it the other way around. Hogan got screwed and Brett came and made the save. Hogan could have passed the torch there. And I also wonder if Hogan had always been in Brett's ear and was like, he's not the one, brother. Yeah, in Vince's ear, you mean, yeah. But where would you put Brett? And uh, I mean, obviously, Owen, it's difficult to gauge because he never got to see out the the whole of his career Mm because of what happened at Over the Edge. But... You know, the more shows we do, the more we look at Bret Hart, and we've said it several times on the pod before. Bret's hideously underrated in comparison when when people are talking about the greatest wrestlers of all time, and certainly the greatest wrestlers in WWE, WWF history. He has to be up there. Well, Bret. Yeah. I was having the thought while watching Bret trying to execute what I thought was a bit of a shitty finish. Uh, as well as he was doing and selling it as astonishingly well as he said, like when Brett's been taken up the ramp and he looks back as Backlund's announced as the champion, like little shit like that makes you very, very close to number one in my books. I, I was literally I watched that match going, is Brett the best? And I'm not sure is the honest answer. There's so many things that make a great pro wrestler. It's very difficult to be like, this is the guy. Do I think he's better than Ric Flair? Absolutely. Do I think he's better than Shawn Michaels? It's very, very close there. But I think he might be better in ring and a better, safer worker than Shawn ever was. 
um, which I, to I, me I, makes him yeah, better. I, I, I agree. From a wrestling, a pure wrestling standpoint, he's better than Flair. He's better than HBK. But as an all-round sports entertainer, mm. he's he's still up there. But the thing is with HBK, and again, he got to see out his career. HBK got to have his big matches in the modern era as well, as well as in the 90s. Whereas yeah. Brett, where he got kicked in the head by Goldberg, I, I'm still, I still give some credence to, to your theory that the screw job was a work to have that big return of Brett at a time when needed. And then obviously that fell through because had Brett been able to come back after that screw job, you've then created the, the biggest star in the industry. Yeah, yeah. I think that was always the plan, but like, you know, people don't agree with me mostly. So, <laughs> shall we move on? We've got a bit more of the cards to go through. Let's move on, yeah. Money, 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 money. Coolest music ever. Next up is a Survivor Series elimination take. Easy for me to say. 10 man tag team match of the million dollar team of Bam. Check out this fucking team, by the way. Bam Bam Bigelow. King Kong Bundy, Tatanka, and uh, Roddy Piper. <laughs> Roddy Piper, Tom Pritchard in this case, and Jimmy Del Rey, the Heavenly Bodies, with Ted DiBiase versus, <clears throat> check out this team, Guts and Glory of Adam Bomb, yay, Bart Gunn and Billy Gunn, the Smoking Guns, not in 94, uh, Lex Luger, Jesus Christ, and Mabel. Oh no, run away. <laughs> Someone gonna get their ass whipped. <laughs> Mabel wrong being 3-6 Mafia. Mate. Being 3-6 <laughs> Mafia before Mark Henry could even dream of it. No Oscar. <laughs> that was a shame. Well, what do you mean? He was there. I didn't see him. I was too... Bl- <laughs> I was, I was... <laughs> he went all John Cena on me. <laughs> Yeah, he followed them up. He was a little bit late to the ring, but he was there. I can see why you would miss him. But no, he, he was there right at the beginning. He didn't do anything in the match, though. So, um, There was one bit that really confused me about this match. Um, Adam Bomb is a face suddenly? What happened? It, his feud with Quang. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. they were both we heels. And then, week, I remember, yeah. and then Dr. Harvey Whipperman got involved, and obviously he selected Quang, and then Adam Bomb went for even more high-vis gear. Oh, t- I thought he you turned were just into taking a the piss, but that actually happened, is what you're saying. Yeah, he turned into a starburst and then became a face. <laughs> Great. So the smoking guns haven't got their cap guns. I genuinely got upset because I can't make inappropriate jokes about Americans and their obsession with killing each other. Um, <laughs> there is a lot of mullets in this match. Like, a lot of mullets. It was a beauty to behold. Hmm. After doing a lot of no-selling, Lex clears the heel corner, apart from Bundy. There's a really cool moment here where Bundy gets in the ring and so does Mabel and the crowd just like erupt for the two big guys. I thought that was really good. We love beasts in the ring. Yeah, did they not seen these guys wrestle before? Do they not know what we know? (laughs) Everyone likes seeing the big lads come back. Yeah, sure. To be fair to them, they're, they're not if if you're wrestling them, I'd be terrified. Like that's why they're bad wrestlers; they hurt people. But in terms of like a crowd watching these two, they are great at what they do. Well, th- this was again that this was meant to be the setup for Rumble 
95 for right. Bundy and Mabel. So when you get to Rumble 95, King Kong Bundy's touted as the favourite to win, but he's in there about three minutes and Mabel shifts him over the top rope and completely shit cans him. Hmm. Easy dub, easy dub. So pretty oh, much the Mabel thing. Yeah, yeah sure. So uh, Mabel and... Oh, there's a brilliant moment. When this happens with Bundy and Mabel and they're both in the ring facing off, they eventually just kind of get out the ring. And then Mabel... I don't know if you caught this. Mabel turns to Bart Gunn and they go to give each other a high five and completely miss. (laughs) Mabel didn't have his contact lenses in. Oh, so funny. All right. Mabel squashes Pritchard. Pritchard eliminated. He literally squashed him. Uh, Mabel and Bam Bam do spots off the rope. It's crazy these two big dudes doing these crazy like jumping off from springboards and stuff like they're fucking insane especially bam bam mate the way bam bam sells i know i went on about it the last show but fucking hell mate he like go does a drop down here and it's it's like, it's like irs quality of like last second dropping down it's just a joy to see bam bam wrestle it's a again it's so good he's he seemed to be very much like a mercenary, wasn't he? He'd go where the money was, would never have a long-term contract. Mm. He'd always be on pay-per-views. He'd always be involved in storylines, but he'd never be the sort of person to be really pushed towards the main main level. But then I started thinking, watching Bam Bam and this, I thought, I don't know why. I really want to find, if it happened, a Kurt Henning versus Bam Bam Bigelow match. Oh, it might have Just, happened in WCW. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to be doing a bit more checking. I've had a quite a busy sort of week so far. But I just thought, I really like Bam Bam. But I'd love to see him work like a Henning in his peak. We could do a Bam Bam trilogy. You could do like an early WWF, a mid ECW, and then a late WCW. Yeah, but we need the storylines for the trilogies. Because th- this storyline progression through has been really fun to cover on all three shows. And Sure. I Unless you're going to go with, let's go for the three matches up until when Bam Bam squat and Luna squash Dink. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing that show again. Anyway, Mabel gets counted out, eliminated, even though he did the cactus clothesline to the outside to Bam Bam. <laughs> you're like, wait, hang on, what? That, those two doing that clothesline to the outside? Like, no, 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 no. That's it's terrifying. <laughs> it, and, and also, again, very WWF at the time. He's really big and heavy. There's no way he'll be able to stand up after a count of 10. <laughs> but the slightly less bigger man will be able to get back. Yeah. So I've written here that Bam Bam does his spinny salt and eliminates Bam Bam. But that can't be right. <laughs> it was Adam Bomb. <laughs> yep, Adam Bomb. It was Adam, wasn't it? Yeah. So Network uh, here froze me about 20 times during this show, by the way. I, I try not to complain about the Network too much on pods because there's not much to talk about. But like... Literally 20 times it froze and like skip me back 10 minutes or cut the audio or something. It's just like, it's so fucking badly designed. The network's been the same again as I've had issues with the network this week. And again, as you said, we don't want to go on about it. But since they switched their provider for, for dealing with their streaming service, it's been absolute dog shit. Originally, for, for lack of a better term, never had any issue with it. Never nope. had an issue before. Nope, and ever since they switched, it's just been stop, start, stop, start. Things have dropped. It's just bollocks. Yeah, it's fucking shit. I want to throw out there right now, um, speed controls. I want to be able to watch stuff in double speed so I can watch lots of wrestling. That'd be really, really useful. 
we don't need to watch this sort of match at normal speed. I know Still they wouldn't make the chicken wing crossface any quicker. <laughs> I, I want to watch that at half speed. <laughs> but like, there's a reason people go on daily motion and stuff. It has speed controls. If you want to stop people doing that, give them that feature. And the other thing is just, just make it fucking reliable and make the searches work. I searched SummerSlam last week and it didn't bring up SummerSlam 94. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> anyway, uh, Luger eliminates Jimmy Del Rey with a <clears throat> missed clothesline. Uh, left in the match at this point are the mullets of RR's trio of Lex and the Smoking Guns. They've all got beautiful mullets who are our face team. And then Tatanka, Bam Bam and Bundy, who are the heels. We should have mentioned Tatanka no longer has the red stripe down the middle because he can now afford hair dye to get rid of his natural hair colour of red. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I will say, I like heel Tatanka. thought he did a great job with it. He definitely updated his look to be a baddie and be a bit of a sellout. I like the fact that he's just a corporate American Indian. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real idea. But he kept a stern face. He was very much in character the whole time. I thought he did a great job with it. Top five worker of all time, Tatanka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the fuck was that shit by Tatanka eliminates Bart Gunn? Can you describe it? I'm, I got very lost. Um, uh, All I got was... My notes just said, guns are eliminated next. <laughs> Tatanka pinned Bart. Bundy pilled, pinned Billy. <laughs> yeah, Billy gets eliminated with a, by a Bundy elbow drop. Not like a Brett's rope elbow drop. He just does an elbow drop and off you go, Billy. See you later. 94 wrestling. Simple. <laughs> effective. 1985 wrestling, mate. Jesus Christ. They moved on a little bit by 94, but whatever. He and could have beat Hogan in the cage with that. Yeah. Hmm. It's funny to think that Hogan wrestled Bundy in a cage and that was going to be like a main event. You know, I know it wasn't the main event, but hmm, WrestleMania. Bundy's shit, isn't he? Was. Yeah, he wasn't great. But I don't know if I've ever seen a good Bundy match. That's because there haven't been any. Hmm, Weird. But, you know, he did go against Mabel, so, you know. (laughs) He's got a funny looking neck, so I mean... If if he wrestled on the UK, Brit wrestling, he'd be like, oh, big, big lad wrestling, <laughs> Bundy. Yeah. Did you know that Gene Money's a new <laughs> King Kong Bundy? <laughs> I mean, sure. So we're now left with Luger versus Tatanka, Bam Bam and Bundy. And I'm like, if Luger wins this, <laughs> I'll be fucking shocked. Because Vince has fuck all faith in Luger at this point. Luger cradles the tanker, quickly eliminating him. But then Bundy in splashes Luger, the fucking jobber, for one, two, three. <laughs> and Luger's done as well, meaning the winner's the million dollar team. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm not surprised Lex wanted off the WCW as soon as possible. Like, Vince has obviously lost faith here. He's not winning this sole survivor thing like he should be winning, you know? This is the time that Luger was in his contract dispute, though. He kept on telling Vince he was going to sign. Oh. This was a time they were filming the new Raw is War um, Ford for the TV show. And people weren't letting Luger be in it because he hadn't signed the contract. So I, I'm guessing that he's getting this treatment because he's not signed the contract. Because why would you put over someone as your American hero if he's not going to sign the contract? Because, you know, Vince isn't stupid. For like, uh, he can't book for shit and he ruins creative but when it comes to the money and it comes to the talent he's not gonna 
let people have a a platform, especially at that time, to to to, to you know to to make him look stupid. Yeah, it very much was pitched as Luger was going to be the guy that replaced that role that Hulk Hogan had in WWE. Yeah, the American WWE. hero. But he's constantly, at least across these shows that we've watched, he's booked to garner sympathy. In, in a time when faces got over by being dominant, not by being sympathetic, you know, it just doesn't work. It's like, who really cares? Luger was the shits, but, you know, it's you, you semi-feel sorry for him. He could have had a, a better run. I also speculate with Luger whether or not some of the other more established talents were in Vince's ear and not wanting to work it. Oh, well, we know that Sean was at least. <laughs> and I, I think obviously Brett tried his best to get a good match out of Luger, but they never really got anything going. I mean, even Bret Hart couldn't make Luger look good. Exactly. I, I, Who doesn't have a good match with Bret Hart? Who doesn't even have a mediocre match with Bret Hart? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I, I just think Luger was destined to fail when he didn't beat Yoko, when he got that count out. I think had he won the belt, he had a better chance because then people would have accepted him as that hero and they could have booked him as Hogan and, and tried to create a new top star. But they just they just lost interest. They just lost interest in him. I'm happy I've ruined your childhood and you've come across to the light side at least and realised like, Luger is fucking terrible. No, no, I, I've, I've never thought Luger was good, but just coming down that helicopter and slamming Yoko, the gr- when a gimmick is the best thing he's ever done in his career <laughs> and it's only because it's on a boat... Had Luger just come down to like a slam competition, it'd been in a ring, Luger would have been the shits. Yeah, but sure. Luger braved the vomit copter and landed <laughs> to slam Yoko. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Bob Backlund cuts a promo here backstage with Todd Pettengill. Um, it's it's weird, but it really works. Gets his character over. Sure. It's time for your move events of the evening it is a casket match or a coffin match if you're a brit with special enforcer chuck fucking norris is Whee! here the hero <clears throat> more like the casket match has to enforce chuck norris am i right <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, i've never had an air horn thank you that was awesome <laughs> we can do that again uh, the no, match, we can't. <laughs> the match is. Well, we were, we're, we're old men at this point. We probably shouldn't. But fuck it. So the match is the Undertaker with Paul Bearer versus Yokozuna. As always, joined by James E. Cornette and Mister Fuji. Um, BSK in full effect, mate. <laughs> Good old BSK mm. and Cornette. <laughs> so Chuck Norris comes out and gets Pyro, and I'm like, "Way awesome." Again, um, t- we've gone over it a bit in this show already, but take a main event, the main eventing the pay per view, even though Brett is in a World Heavyweight Championship match as the champion. Uh, it's a shame, but it is what it is. Vince has an amazing line when Yokozuna comes out. He goes, "Yokozuna shaking in his boots, if he was wearing any." <laughs> <laughs> Captain Lou Albano hasn't got hold of him yet. <laughs> so funny. Uh, Undertaker stands on the steps doing his entrance. The lights all come up before Taker raises his hands and like, whoopsie. I've never seen them fuck that up before. So yeah, it's got to be once. Probably quivering in their boots. (coughs) If they're wearing any. Taker does the cutthroat thing right at the beginning of the match and points at the casket, which Yoko sells by flopping to the floor. Yoko's flop bump things he does are 
fucking brilliant, mate. I love watching Yoko in the ring. And it just sells the whole fear. It's like, I've killed him, at, I've killed him at the Rumble. I've stayed away from him when I can't decide which one's the real Undertaker. Yeah. And now he's seeking revenge in the double wide casket as they put over relentlessly. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Taker continues to sit up every time Yoko has him down. Yoko takes a great flop, uh, trying to grab the ropes as he's falling backwards away from them. You know the bit I mean? Yeah. And like, there's, it's just so good. I, f- I didn't realize how flexible and athletic Yoko was. I know I talked about this in the last show as well, but uh, this has been a massive eye-opener for me to realize how good Yokozuna really was. And I think I'm going to go watch some of his matches with uh, Owen next. Just out of pure interest, because I really want to see him. I think as well from an Owen Hart perspective, get to work with someone like Yoko, because they're. I mean, Yoko is so athletic. Yeah, and that size, like you just wish that he'd managed to keep it under control a little bit more. Because think about what he could have been like coming into that Attitude Era with Yoko as our main big evil douchebag at the top of the card. Oh, I would have been so he- good. Yeah, but I mean, the Undertaker's character going like really pro goth as he went mm. on. Can you imagine how bad it would have happened? Vince McMahon would send something stupid like, "Now, uh, now, Rodney, I've seen this character in this game, Mortal Kombat. I oh, need you no. to wear this hat." <laughs> that would have been terrible. Rodney Braden is what they'd rebrand him as. <laughs> Good lord! I mean, if Glacier Sub Zero, that's what oh. they're counter programming. I thought you were going with, um, oh my God, what's the guy's name? Not M. Bison, but the big generic does the chops character in Street Fighter. Oh, E. Honda. That would have been a much better example. I forgot Street Fighter. I went Mortal Kombat. (laughs) It's all good. Uh, And Vince McMahon would be like, oh my God, he's hit him with the hundred hand slap. What a maneuver. (laughs) Unbelievable. Right in the kisser. So (laughs) Fuge and Cornette do their bits on the outside. Take a chase and down and knocks out Cornette. Cornette sells it beautifully by sticking his tongue out like he's dead. Really, really cool moment. Uh, Taker eventually gets the bear of Yoko, which leads to Bundy to walk down to the ring. And then Bam Bam walks down to the ring and Chuck Norris has to face off with the two big men, which leads to IRS jumping out from the crowd to jump Taker. IRS chokes out Taker and throws him into the coffin. But Yoko is still down on the mat, so hasn't closed the lid at this point. After Yoko flops around a bit, selling all the punishment, he finally manages to get to his feet and go to close the lid. But Taker pops up and schoozles him. Double J runs down, eats a kick from Chuck Norris. Yeah! <laughs> Best moment I like of the, the night. fact that J- Jeff Jarrett, and he's our hero and hopefully future Hall of Famer in the World of Wrestling podcast. Not like those big boys, those those pansies <laughs> who wouldn't go and fight Chuck Norris. No, J E double F J A double R E double T. He's not phased by any TV star from Walker, Texas Ranger. God no, Jeff Jarrett's going to go and say, This is my house, no celebrities, and then got a boot in the face for his troubles. It's brilliant. He sells it like a boss as well. Like legit, Double J is a bit shit. <laughs> okay, let's let's throw it out there. But he's always there. He's always the guy willing to take the bump and do the shitty, funny storylines. I think he's one of the best, most underrated workers around. I think he was crazy. Now, have you been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a bad Double J match. All of the matches, <laughs> but that's why they're good because they're so bad. 
Oh, crikey. His match with Tom Pritchard. Tom Pritchard got a good match out of him. Yeah, true, true. I'll watch some, like, you know, anything Double J beyond 98, and I'll be like, oh, my God, he's the worst wrestler in existence. <laughs> but, like, you know, in 94, he's fun. He flops around. I like the gimmick. Well, whatever. Well, well, it's good that he was GM at ICW, you know, so that's now on the network for people to not watch. Yeah, exactly. Take I had a quick browse. I had a quick browse at those just for funsies, and I realized... I really dislike quite a lot of Brit Rest promotions. <laughs> Fair play to you. Taker gives Yoko a DDT, breaks the Japanese flag in half, throws racist, both, throws both Yoko and the flag in the coffin, slams the lid shut. Ding ding ding! The winner of the match is the Undertaker. But fuck all that shit. Massive sympathy for the poor ref who now has to push the coffin to the back with Yoko inside it. We then see the spirit of Yokozuna raise and then a video <laughs> wall saying, I'll never rest in peace. Oh, no, hang on, wait. No, that was Undertaker. I've got to go back to my home country now. Off to Japan. Via the islands of Samoa. Chuck Norris smirks. Taker and Paul Bearer play with their spotlight urn thing. Taker does eye rolling into the back of his head and we are out of here. Oh, and that was the end of Yokozuna in the main event ever. Was it really? Yep. He basically went down. He took time off after Survivor Series. He returned as a surprise as Owens take part in WrestleMania 11. Um, they won the they won the straps, and that that was pretty much it for Yoko. Then Shit. then he was gone. That's such and a that's shame, the end. man. Because he's fucking brilliant throughout these. Even when he's wrestling Lex and he's like, no, 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 no. We're going to spend 10 minutes in a chin lock because I do not trust you. All the other stuff that surrounds it, it's it's Yoko doing the work. He's wrestling Taker and he's make, getting Taker over huge while still keeping his character intact and such, you know. He's, he's he was so good. One of the highlights of these three shows we've done is discovering how good Yoko was. And, and again, Yoko was main eventing mania wrestling twice same as luger and, and after this show luger was done with a million dollar corporation so he got the roll up that feud didn't continue because they were going after taker and he's taker spent most of the like the rest of the year feuding with irs um into the rumble uh king kong bundy at wrestlemania 11 comer at SummerSlam. sorry comer the, the ultimate fighting machine <laughs> at SummerSlam 95 and all luger did was tag with davy boy forming the allied powers never won the straps and then fucked off <laughs> yeah probably for the best to be fair <laughs> so i have one vital question i thought of as i was watching this show you know how this these three shows are very very much dominated by either bsk people the click or the hearts yeah it's triple A, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It's a bit incestuous, okay? Fuck, marry, kill. Heart, click, BSK. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, We're going a bit Mormon with the group relationships here. You know? I'd marry the hearts. Okay. Because then I can beat the shit out of Bruce at Christmas. Fair point. Um... I'd marry BSK because they seem to be very much like together. You can't marry both. Family. It has to be one or the other. So you have to marry one, fuck one, kill one. Hearts click BSK. Oh, I'd fuck BSK then because they'd show me a good time. 
Lots of different body sizes. <laughs> what a statement. <laughs> I'd fuck BSK because they'd show me a good time. Love it. <laughs> and uh, murder the click. Yeah, you couldn't put up with all the egos in the click. I would definitely murder the click. Imagine having yep. to put up with like Sean and Rex Park constantly. You'd be like, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> fuck these people. What a fantastic game. I look forward to a, a fuck, marry, kill factions next week. <laughs> uh, Quizzlemania. Uh, not Quizzlemania. What's our show called? <laughs> I know. The super ripped off quiz cup you by go. your employers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've done a quiz. What yeah, a great idea. Absolutely. To clarify, they did have that idea before I turned up, but it is what it is. Uh, let's do it. Final thoughts on Brett and Owen. Great rivalry, great storytelling, lasted over a year of storytelling. Should have continued. They shouldn't have dropped the story. Because I know Owen went on to feud with Michaels after this, and then Michaels went on to Diesel. But it just seems like it's it was unfinished business. And, and But it was nice that they got together in 97 to do the Heart Foundation. I think the Team Canada versus Team USA thing during the Attitude Era was was amazing i don't think there will be many matches where wrestlers have as good a chemistry as brett and owen had in that ring again they've wrestled each other day after day in the dungeon but it was just it was just magic those two together the storytelling in the ring the facials the body language the technical wizardry they put on i the promos i loved too. watching them the promos are amazing yeah. And even though Owen didn't wrestle Brett in this match, just the involvement and then the celebration when the towel was thrown in, just holding the towel up like it was the strap. It was <laughs> I, Owen was great and Brett elevated Owen to the main event. He did everything to try and make Owen a main event star there and just Vince, for whatever reason, never saw it. Yeah, it's a real shame because the thing I always look back at these these matches in this time period is just absolute fondness. You know, I look back at Owen and I can't help but smile every time I see a photo of him or someone with a sign in the crowd about him or something like that. It's Owen was always one of my favorites. Uh, Brett, I always knew was good. I'm starting to realize how good he was the more we watched this time period specifically because I came in at like 97, you know. So I kind of caught the end and kind of the shitty bit of Brett. And I had obviously 92 to 93 to 94 and a few VHSs and stuff. But it was around this time that I dropped out. So I missed really the prime of Brett as the champion, you know. Um, I think there's one thing that really stood out for me that you said there is unfinished business. I think that's the same for Brett and Owen and their careers in that it never felt like we got the big payoff for Owen, you know, specifically. Yeah, he he never had that, to not use the phrase, he never had that WrestleMania moment. Yeah, it's a travesty. It really is. And I know they tried to give it to Brett. Was it 23 when it was Brett against Vince? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't count, but I know what you mean. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. They tried to give him that payoff and it was shit. Even when they he teamed with, was it like Jericho, Edge and all that lot against Nexus, mm. trying to get him involved and have him involved in stories. It's just, it's always going to be a very dodgy relationship forever with Brett and WWE like we mentioned last week with all the content being taken off the network which had some of like Brett in it you'll always have and you'll always have that that bitterness of the screw the screw job slash work slash shoot 
and ultimately, it's the company who was liable for the death of his brother. Yep, undoubtedly that they didn't take that safety precaution they should have. Like when you see the photo or the video footage of that clip for the first time, you're like, they did what? They hung a man from the fucking ceiling of a building with that as his safety precaution. Are you fucking kidding me? It's how yeah. they got away with that. And like legally, I would never fucking understand. And I hope that Martha like gives them their comeuppance someday. But I don't think it's ever going to happen at this point. And I tell you what was nice with that dark side of the ring situation. Because obviously for years, everyone's been like, Martha, please let him in the Hall of Fame. Please let him in the Hall of Fame. To finally have this this widow be able to come out and go, look, I appreciate you want to celebrate my husband, but this is the reason why I will never let it happen and my children will never let it happen. It's because their negligence is the reason that kids grew up without their father. Uh, a wife lost her husband. And on a selfish standpoint, wrestling fans were deprived yeah. of what could have been a top main event star for years and years to come. Facts, mate. I'm genuinely angry about it. Every time we talk about it, I'm like, they they did what? Like, I loved Owen. How dare you I, take him away from us all, you know? After watching that documentary, and I, I you know, we will turn it around to a positive note, listeners, don't worry. It's, we don't want to finish on a, on a really negative point, but WWE essentially committed murder through mm. negligence. Yeah. They, they were responsible for the death of a man. They should have stopped their show over the edge i don't care about this i guarantee what fan in that building would have been like fuck i want my money back owen hart's just died everyone in that building was a wrestling fan and therefore they would have loved owen why would have they they should have just stopped it done a proper investigation and more importantly they should have just fucking done it right in the first place yeah absolutely it's a goddamn crime scene they let people wrestle on it it's a fucking disgrace man all right, let's let's quickly sum this up. This this the whole series has been an absolute pleasure. I'll say, um, this show for me is probably a two cornflakes though. Yeah, this was the weakest of the three we've covered. But I find that with Survivor Series anyway, I like the nostalgia of the elimination match. But when you're trying to fill a three-hour card with four elimination matches and two singles matches, you and, and again, it's all gimmick. And lots of bullshit finishes as well. I mean, who doesn't want to see an entire team counted out in the first match? Yeah. And then, you know... Storytelling... The clowns and the royal family, like, ugh. They're bred in a chicken wing for half an hour. (laughs) It's like, it's not a shining example of what WF can be. The storytelling itself and the continuation, the the conclusion of stories was what gave it a two-cornflake for me because... You know, you need a bit of everything for a wrestling show and it's the storyline progression for me. But this was essentially the end for most of the... I mean, essentially it was the end for all these feuds. Mm. It was the start of HBK Diesel. It was the start of the Million Dollar Corporation against Undertaker. Lex was done. Yoko was done. All the key players in the main event scene were about to have a change around. Backlund's going to drop the belt in three days at MSG. Yeah. Making oh, Diesel was... only the third Sorry. ever Triple Crown champion. I thought and that was a WrestleMania thing, but it's not. I'm getting confused between that and the WrestleMania 10, which happened at MSG, of course. Yeah. Sorry, I said that earlier in the pod, I just realised, so I thought I'd correct myself. Yeah, three days after this match, and Backlund cut that promo, we started going, oh, he's got heat and he's got a purpose. Yeah, they just jobbed him out. Yeah. And you think that it, we're, we're literally months away at this point 
from the outside is leaving WF. So Nash and Hall are off. You're not going to have Brett for much longer. He's taking a long break here. Lex is off. You've lost the whole top of the card. Apart from Sean yeah. and Taker. Yoko's off as well. Fucking hell, man. They were literally down Sean and Taker. They, they, they'd binned it off. That, that was it. It's astonishing, man. It takes three or three odd years before they come back, and they they almost lost the company at times. It's talked about. Yeah, that they were the 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 stories of how close they were to going under. Mm. Uh, I can highly recommend anything from '94, though. So much fun stuff going on. The production's really really good. You get Vince on commentary, which is an absolute joy. You get really really fun silly gimmicks. It's not too serious yet. Like '97 gets really serious and really like you know sexual exploitation and race war shit you know which is just like it's just a little bit too much sometimes <laughs> but um yeah 94 hell of a time for wrestling really really fun and todd pettingill was an absolute dream yeah i wonder what happened to him well he, he was back on nxt in your house wasn't he doing oh. the infomercial part they brought him back remember was that Todd Pettengill? I thought that was the other one. Oh, was that Sean Mooney? Yeah, that was Sean Mooney, I think, wasn't it? I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> let's leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this trilogy of shows. I certainly enjoyed watching them and talking about them. It's been a lot of fun. One of the best trilogies, if not the best trilogy we've done. I would go down and say it's the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be when it comes to trilogies on the World of Wrestling podcast. Yeah, if you could put Brett and Owen together, they make the perfect wrestler, I think. Agreed. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, World of Rest Pod on Twitter is the best place to get in contact. WorldofWrestlingPodcast.com is the website where you can find all the links to all the podcasting shit you may need. What's your social medias, my friend? At the Tex Williams on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. I'm just at Fanboy Rich on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. Uh, right. Cool. It's been fun, man. Well, what are we doing next week? So that's down to whether you want to try and meet up or not. Ooh. I'm happy to come down to you if you'll have me. Uh, I'm, you're always welcome at the mansion. No problem at all. Cool. We'll, we'll talk about, like, you know, COVID stuff that's happened around our lives in the last few weeks. To be fair, if we just wear on. our lucha masks, we'll be fine. <laughs> I got my Pentagon mask in the post last two, three weeks ago. I think I sent you a photo, Excellent. didn't I? I haven't seen a photo yet. Oh, no, uh, no, I have seen a photo. Yes, I have I seen a photo. Yeah, I thought about just wearing that out to the shops the other day. I'm like, mm, it doesn't really cover my mouth. <laughs> anyway, we've got some stuff planned. We've got basically uh, how to put it a fuckload of WCW shows from 1996 planned as like a long storyline the first time we've ever done that but I think maybe we'll do a couple of spot shows in between how, you, how do you yeah I think that? so alright we'll find some random shit and we'll do something fun next week maybe maybe even a bonus pod maybe a film or something oh god <laughs> don't tease us <laughs> oh, we'll see alright catch you next week everyone bye 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 I cannot believe what I just saw, Owen. Please tell me why. Why this despicable act? Why, I don't, what? Why, what? I don't understand. You want to know why? Red Hart, you're nothing but a selfish person. I went in there in a tag team match for the biggest match of my life. It was a dream come true. I thought I had the best partner in the world, my own brother. But you're too selfish, like I've said all along. Your ego is too big. You only worry about yourself, Red. Bro, you don't Owen, care about me. Unbelievable in front of your entire family. I your don't family care about anybody. I was concerned about myself and my whole family. If 
biggest opportunity in my life. I had a chance, Brett, and you stripped it away from me. You took it away from me, Brett, because you're too selfish. All you had to do was just tag me. My hand was there. Just tag me. I knew your leg was bad. I was aware of that. Just tag me. But you're too selfish. You just want to put your sharpshooter on. I could have won the match. I don't need you with a bad leg doing it, Brett. You're too damn selfish. And that's why you're sitting there with a bad leg. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg.